In this episode of A Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Becca Rice about automated lifecycle emails. This is A Business of E-Commerce, episode 68. Welcome to The Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulesky, and I'm here today with Becca Rice. Becca is a head of product at Jilt, where they focus on helping merchants increase revenue through automated lifecycle emails. I asked Becca on the show today how you can use automated lifecycle emails to increase revenue in your e-commerce business. Hey, Becca, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. So the head of product at Jilt, right? Absolutely. Awesome. And so what is Jilt exactly? Let's get started there. Yeah, so Jilt uh, has been in the Shopify and WooCommerce and easy digital download space for a long time. A lot of people have known us as a card abandonment solution. Um, but we actually do a lot more than that these days. So Jilt's an email marketing solution that's focused on e-commerce stores. So we do automated lifecycle emails, transactional emails. And uh, a few weeks after we record this podcast, we'll have launched uh, broadcast newsletter emails. So uh, we do email marketing that's targeted specifically to people who are selling online. Okay, excellent. So email marketing, kind of, um, you say lifecycle emails. These are the emails that go out. Would it be post-purchase or pre-purchase or like what? Where in the life cycle? <laughs> Do, like, is it like when you say life cycle emails, like, is it where does it start? Where does it end? Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's both of those, right? So we started with, you know, card abandonment. So we've got that pre purchase suite of emails, uh, you know, where we capture emails earlier in the process, in the shopping process. Like, you can capture emails when someone adds something to the cart for example, uh, or when they reach the checkout page. Um, and we'll send like recovery emails for those, which we find are fantastic revenue generators for a lot of stores, right? We'll send um, purchase confirmation emails. So like your, your order status emails, um, like receipts, shipment confirmations, um, cancellation notices, right? Uh, and then also a lot of post-purchase emails. So we see a huge variety of emails people send, uh, usually things like, asking for a product review, sending an educational series strip for particular products, right? Uh, we see that a lot with membership sites, um, you know, where they, they send like kind of an intro to your membership thing. Um, we see people using win back emails for lapsed customers, replenishment reminders. If you sell something that's consumable and people are typically, you know, repurchasing that. Uh, welcome series for first time purchasers or uh, repeat purchasers, right? To kind of thank them for their loyalty or to send discounts for their next purchase. Uh, and people also do a lot of rewarding VIP customers. So since we sync uh, a lot of data from a store, you know, you could say once someone hits $500 in lifetime spend, you know, I want to send them a different drip series and thank them for their loyalty or send a discount or invite them to a special club or something like that. So uh, we'd started with just, you know, card abandonment and then kind of tried to expand our way through those different types of uh, lifecycle emails as we were building the product. Um, since they kind of are what people get people used to hearing from you, in your store and end up driving a ton of revenue by kind of building that customer relationship um, and encouraging repeat purchases. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest thing, just getting folks engaged with you in the first place, right? Because you can't just, you know, if you collect an email at checkout and email them six months later and say, hey, we're having a, you know, some sort of, <laughs> some sort of discount or whatever it is, some promotion, people are gonna say, who's this? Well, you know, they kind of forget they even purchased from you typically. So you, you wanna be, engaged upfront, like very early on in the process and the sooner the better. So they actually, as they're engaging with your brand, with your site, they are getting emails too and getting used to that, getting used to your content or even the, even the look of it, quite honestly, just so 
Because there's times where you get that you get that email in your inbox, and even the logo doesn't mean anything to you. The whole thing doesn't mean anything, and you go, I I don't even remember this. Like, so like the more touch points you get early on, it sounds like that really kind of helps increase that you know recognition of the brand at least. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I've I've found really interesting as we've done a lot of research and kind of going through our own data, you know, with with users is that uh, people underestimate that. And what we found is welcome emails are actually really crucial to later success with email. So when a customer receives a welcome email for you around the time of purchase, soon after purchase, soon after registering an account, uh, they expect the email then and they open it then. And it's kind of the introduction and setting expectations like, okay, this is the kind of email I'm going to receive. It makes them far more likely to open and purchase from later emails that you send down the line. Right. So there is something to that. You know, if you're kind of in front of people and they get emails from you regularly on some sort of consistent schedule and around the times they expect to get emails, that they're going to be far more likely to engage with those emails. Right. And even if that engagement isn't a purchase right away, right, they're still familiar with your brand and they're still familiar with what you're offering and they're going to be more likely to read subsequent emails. When you say consistent schedule, have you guys done any kind of testing around like what what is enough? What is too much? Like, you know, because some, there's some emails where I've got almost like daily emails. And at some point you're like, I, I just can't do this. It's just. Oh, my God. West Elm does that to me. <laughs> yeah. OK. Right? They're, yeah, they're like, one of those I brands. can only buy a couch so many times. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you email me every single day? Yeah. There's certain things you and you. Yeah. They're not replenishable. You're not going to buy, a, you know, you're not going to buy a couch, you know, once a week. So what's in like even their sales, you know, they're big, expensive items. So like what sort of cadence even makes sense? Yeah, and so it's it's more frequent than you think, typically, um, but typically not every day. And so it really depends on what you're selling. For a store like you know West Elm, like let's say a furniture store, something that's selling big ticket items, you're probably not going to replenish it, but maybe you'd be interested in related items, right? Uh, we recommend that you're emailing people usually at least once a week. So uh, that may be letting them know about recommended products, sales, upcoming events, right? Um, but not only that, also timing emails around milestones. So if I've, if I've just purchased from you, you should be sending me a lot more email right now than you might be once that order reaches me, right? So I am totally happy to hear from you at every stage of the process, like your order has been processed by our warehouse, your order is on the way to you, you know, we got a delivery notification from the provider, right? Send all of it up front right after someone's purchased in, uh, from you so that they always know the status of their order. Uh, especially if you're selling higher ticket items, right? The more expensive the item, the more communication you should probably be sending. Once you've hit that end of that process, though, then it kind of becomes, well, what is your realistic expectation of this customer returning, right? We know it's way cheaper to to retain that customer than it is to find a new customer. So now the, the plan shifts into retention. So what's the likelihood they're going to purchase again? If I purchased a couch from, from you know, West Elm or a furniture store or something like that, right? Okay, what am I going to purchase next? Is it a chair? Is it end tables? Is it something else? Is it kitchen supplies, right? Usually, that's kind of the thing that you're like, yep, okay, I need that now. And once a week, twice a week is a good cadence for that. Um, if it's something that's consumable, that's a great cadence, right? If I purchase coffee, email me once a week. Um, it could just be something that's letting me know about different kinds of coffee, right? But for the coffee I've specifically bought, now say, okay, how long does it take to use a bag of coffee? A couple of weeks. I'm going to send you a replenishment reminder at that time that's a little bit more targeted, right? So it all depends on your life cycle. There's not really a great answer. Uh, but for most merchants getting started, it's more frequent than you think you should be sending. So if my average you know, purchasing life cycle is two months, it should definitely be less than that. Go to once a month. 
if that's doing pretty well, try to go down to once a week, right? See how you see what your unsubscribe rates look like, see what kind of response you get from your customers. Uh, I would say though, with a final caveat that there aren't a ton of brands that you should get email from every day. So you're probably not one of those brands. Yeah. That might be a little bit too much, yeah, <laughs> which I have seen. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of daily deal sites where, you know, it makes sense, right? Because there really is something new happening every day or when Groupon was still, you know, big, that sort of thing. Like it, w it was just like excitement every day. But like you said, most brands like West Elm, you can't buy new stuff every day. But I do like the the whole thing around sending the emails close to when you actually purchased initially, right? Um, I've talked to Jordan from Cardhook on here before, um, where it's, you know, they do it like right after, show your page. And, or actually right before the show, we we're talking about our, uh, I can, in the video, you can see right now, our Yeti coffee mugs. Um, and I just went out the other day and spent $25 of accessories for, for my coffee mug, which is a bizarre thing to even say out loud, but I bought a <laughs> handle, I bought a straw, the, like accessories. And it's one of those things where, you know, in a year, once you have a coffee mug, I'll probably get bored of it um, and just go back to a regular mug. But for now, I'm kind of into this mug, so I'm buying accessories for it, which is crazy. But in, I'm like, I'm thinking of it now. So if they send me a couple more emails for, I don't even know the next accessory, but I might actually buy one just because it's, uh, it's on my mind right now. Um, so I like the idea of bunching them up sooner, closer to purchase, and then kind of moving out the cadence of it. Right, right, exactly. And for something like a mug, right, there's a lot of accessories up front. Uh, Appar are... Apparently, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> right, we both learned a lot uh, yeah. before this call in terms of coffee accessories. And, uh, you know, you can you can do a lot of recommendations and cross selling, you know, really early in the process. But um, one thing that I do think people get intimidated by is that concept of, you know, once I've, I'm a little bit removed from purchase, I think, oh, well, this customer doesn't want to hear from me. And, you know, I will say that but that's not true because think about how many different contexts then you might buy a mug or a product in, right? Where like, I love this mug. So when it's time for, let's say my sister's birthday, I might buy it for her, right? So you still want to keep in touch with me and keep it front of mind so that when it's around that time and I get an email from, from Yeti with like, oh, you know, we have a new mug or there's a different size that you have. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I should actually buy that for my sister's birthday. So there is that in importance in staying kind of um, not necessarily top of mind, but in mind for your customers that I think people tend to devalue a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. That's kind of the whole point of these emails, right? That maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not just going to click and buy because you're on the latest sale, but at least I remember your brand, you exist. Hey, I kind of do like that mug. And like you said, it could be holidays, birthdays. And the thing is with your sister's birthday, they'll never know that happened, right? So like, right. that's not a piece of information you can collect at check, like when is, when is your sibling's birthdays, right? Right, um, right, exactly. So you can time like the holiday emails and you, you understand, mm -hmm. okay, the holidays are coming, let's get ready for that. But things like birthdays and just like anniversaries, you just need to be in front of them on a regular cadence to just be top of mind, right? Exactly. What do you okay. do to, so when you say, pull back if it's kind of too much. Are you just looking at unsubscribe rates or do you start looking at, you know, the open rates dropped or like, what is your kind of uh, signals to say, you know, <laughs> we've pushed a little too far, let's back off. Yeah, uh, so I try to look at a few things. One is conversion rate. You know, are these emails converting to sales? Um, and, you know, a little bit of a drop might be okay if you're also sending more emails, right? So your conversion rate might sink a little bit, but overall number of total conversions might grow, right? So being mindful of both 
percentages as well as absolute values is pretty important there. And when you actually look at specifically at sales, uh, we look at open rate, uh, we look at unsubscribe rate and um, customer feedback, which is, you know, more qualitative than quantitative. Right. But if you have people replying that, you know, like, please, you know, take me up this list or why did you, you know, why are you sending me so many emails? Um, that's a bad sign. <clears throat> so, you know, pull it back a little bit. And depending on your email marketing provider, you know, sometimes you can also say, okay, well, let me, you know, bucket people differently, people who want to hear from me as much as possible, people who want to hear from me, you know, only monthly, um, which is something that I think I've always wanted from a lot of bigger brands too, right, is like that choice. So default people into whatever schedule you think is best. Um, but if you have the flexibility to say, no, you get a monthly digest instead, um, then it's something that's worth experimenting with. It doesn't work for every store, right? But kind of saying, you know, let me email some people once a week, let me email some people once a month. And comparing those is really useful. Uh, because it, you may find that your customers that hear from you once a month, they're not engaged. They don't care about you. So you also shouldn't put effort into doing that monthly digest, right? So it's a lot of a lot of testing around that life cycle. I think it's important to say, you know, what are my absolute number of conversions? What are my conversion rates? And kind of comparing those schedules to see what sort of cadence works best for you and your customers. I hate the question, and but I have to ask it because I know people are thinking it. Because um, mm. you see this all the time. But people always want to know, and everyone always wants to know, like, what's a good conversion rate? Like, what a good, and I, I hate the question, and I kind of already know the answer, but I feel like people think it, so I have to ask it. Yeah, I think it depends on the email, yeah. right? So the conversion rates that we see for a cart abandonment uh, recovery email are going to be very different than the conversion rates you might see for a welcome email, right? So uh, when we look, for example, at abandonment emails, you know, Depending on the industry, we'll see people who are 12%, 15%, you know, recovery rates, right? Which is huge. That's astronomical, right? And they tend to drive a ton of revenue as a result. But for something like a welcome email, it might be 1%, right? So usually, you know, depending on kind of the email you're sending, uh, if you're in that 2 to 3% range, that's usually pretty good. But it depends on the context. And it also depends on if sales are your goal, right? Because sometimes, you know, you have to play a little bit of a longer term game there where like, just because a welcome email doesn't have a great conversion rate doesn't mean you should stop sending it. You absolutely should send it because it's what boosts the conversion rate for your other emails. So I think for when we look at that and we kind of, you know, are discussing things with, with our own users at Jilt and saying, okay, what are your goals, right? We try to be very explicit as to what the goals are. So when we measure the success of a welcome email, we often look at open rate and click rate, not conversion rate. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that was actually, there's more than an answer than I thought. A lot of people kind of just give the blanket. It depends. Um, Right. Which, it does, but it, there's a reason it depends. Yeah. Right? And I get that. Cause right. If you're selling, you know, airplanes versus like t-shirts, it's going to be a very different conversion. Like these things are just very, and a lot is just, you're competing against yourself essentially. Right. Where, you know, your conversion rate last month and you know, it's basically your relative conversion rate to that. And you're going up and down basically. And you do these experiments exactly. and you're trying to move things forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's, you know, when we look at our success as a company, you know, it's, it's obviously enabling our users and creating value for them. And the two things that we found where we can uh, contribute to the success of their business is driving sales and driving engagement. And so those are usually the focus of your emails. It's one or the other. And so you try to measure them differently as well. Yep. Let's say someone's listening right now. And you know, the, it's funny when you start hearing these things, there's, there's all these like rabbit holes, there's things you could do, right? Like there's... <laughs> you know, like we said, the mug, you could have accessories, but then you have to know the products. You have to know all the accessories. That's obviously a lot of work. Um, some folks have huge catalogs, lots of SKUs. Um, 
and just kind of linking those cross cells and everything, it's a lot upfront. So let's say someone's listening and they don't do much with email now. They kind of collect emails, but have, they've basically been ignoring their use for the past, you know, X amount of time. What would you recommend as some, you know, entry level, like dipping your toe in the water sort of things of just let's get started. Let's start getting something out there or let's even re-engage the, the list that they've been ignoring for the past however many years. Mm. Yeah. Those are a couple of different strategies, right? So if you've, if you've not been communicating with your customers regularly, uh, I think that the automated uh, lifecycle emails are a good place to start because then it's like expected around some sort of event. Um, so I would definitely start setting those up, setting up things like win back emails, setting up things like post-purchase follow-ups, you know, asking for reviews, checking in, how do you like this product? Or is there any feedback for us? Right. Um, and then starting with, you know, maybe uh, broadcast once every couple of weeks, right? Something that you feel like you can maintain. It doesn't have to be a long email. It doesn't have to be a really detailed email, right? It could just be, here's a couple of new products that we've, we've you know, uh, listed for sale recently. And even if they're not really recent, uh, that's okay, right? It's just to get in front of people and to, to kind of warm the list up. So you won't see great success in doing that, but it is important to just start sending a couple of things and they can be non-intrusive, small emails. It doesn't have to be this huge Hey, we're going to start emailing you now. Like that's that's kind of obvious from the fact that you're emailing them now, right? Um, so warming up with with some broadcasts as well as as starting to put in place some automations is going to be really important. Um, the next thing though is people usually say, well, what what do I do? What do I send? Right? Um, which is a great question because it's hard to know. Like, okay, well now like what do people want to you know hear from me? So we tend to say with your lifecycle emails, especially like replenishment or win back emails, that a great thing to do is, is feature some products. And so it doesn't have to be a super long email. It doesn't have to be very detailed. Just say, you know, Hey, we're running 5% off right now. Here's a coupon code for you. And these are some products we think you might like. And we do like a recommendation engine, you know, within Jilt that'll recommend products, you know, for that person. But even if you don't have that in, you know, your email marketing platform, um, we also let people insert like best sellers, you know, most popular products, newest products. So you can usually do something similar um, or even just pick some featured products that, you know, you think most people like or some products that are usually kind of accessories to your best sellers. Right. So you can hack at that a little bit. Um, but just kind of featuring a few products and sending that and then doing something similar in your broadcasts, like, Hey, this is something that's on sale right now. Or, Hey, have you seen this product? Um, or we're going to be running a sale two weeks from now. We'll let you know about it later. Uh, just small little tidbits to get yourself in front of customers and kind of start to bubble yourself up, uh, so that you're in mind. Yep. When you say actually, so another good question, another good point. I was kind of thinking as you were saying that when you're generating content, um, mm. I think a lot of folks kind of one of their resistance to doing this is this like writer's block, right? Where, you know, you should be doing it. And around like the holidays, you know, everyone knows you can send out the uh, Christmas email, the Valentine's email, whatever it is, there's just content there. But in between you're, you have to kind of sit down and really generate some content and you can't just hit someone with, here's some products, you should go buy them. Um, and you're not running a sale every week, right? Or else right. it's not a sale. It's just <sighs> your prices every day. So there's like, there's this moment between where you have to generate content, but there's like these gaps in like real life events you can just use for your content. Do you have any kind of tips or any strategies around what would you, what would you do just to engage with folks when you're in between and there's no, there's, it's not Valentine's day and it's not, you know, a special sale. Right. So that is, 
that sort of doldrums of, of sales periods is definitely something that I think a lot of people struggle with, right? So when you're kind of in that, um, again, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I published this product a week ago and here it is, right? Maybe it was a month ago, maybe it was two months ago. You can still feature it in that email, right? Because chances are a customer probably hasn't seen it yet. So um, announcements are great, but then also looking at, you know, is there a seasonality to, to your business, right? Well, let's leverage that. So if I sell apparel, you know, may, I should be creating like lookbooks, right? So, you know, each email, it's like a new style, you know, here's how you can wear this jacket or, you know, here's an outfit that we put together from our items. Um, if you're selling coffee, maybe it's, you know, you feature a roaster uh, in different weeks or something, right? Um, or that, you know, you, you say like, we were trying this new coffee or we ask, we're asking for feedback in a survey, right? So surveying is also a great thing to be sending in those periodic emails, to try and get some feedback either on products or to kind of get a sense of NPS for your customers. Um, so taking a look at your product and sort of what are things people do with your product, let's highlight those in these emails, right? So if it's coffee, it could be roasters. If it's, um, you know, stationary, right? You sell wedding invitations, highlight, you know, a user wedding invitation, ask people to hashtag them on Instagram, right? And pull a few of those into every email. Um, showcase, you know, new fonts or, you know, new, new paper stock that you've gotten. So there's always something happening in your business. And it's just a question of for you, what is it that's happening? Um, and if, if there's not much happening, then let's showcase your customers instead. Right. So like, you know, if you're selling wedding stationery, what are your customers doing? If you're a photographer, you know, ask people, can I share some of the, um, photographs that I've taken at this event, right. With my newsletter list. So that it's, it's all just kind of trying to build that relationship. Right. And it depends on what you do, but there's something in your business happening. So let's showcase that showcase that to people in your emails. It doesn't always just have to be here. Are my products. Right. It's like build a relationship. One thing I saw someone do actually one time that I can't remember where I saw this, but they built a evergreen campaign ahead of time. Right. Where they knew it was it could come out every other week and they just slotted in. It was 12 weeks, I think, let's say. So that comes to 24 weeks. Right. So then they were only actually generating content every other week. So it's kind of like reduced right. the, reduce the need. And by right. doing that, you're using the same emails. So you, t you start to know, right. oh, that subject line is actually not very good. We can just optimize that in the, you know, inside that campaign. So, you know, at least you have X number of emails, just they're going to sign up. They're going to get the emails. They're going to get this campaign and it's good. We know it works ahead of time. So just start with that. Um, and I heard that tip from somewhere and that was always one of those things where Oh yeah, it can take the pressure off, right? And then even if you miss a week, you know you're going to have another one just fall by it. So it's not going to be this. It's not going to be the end of the world because then you're not going to be missing, you know, a whole month. It's not going to easily turn to a month because it can't, right? And the more emails you know that are good, you can just stack them to the end of that campaign, and it just creates this longer and longer evergreen campaign where it now kind of like reduces the pressure for the retailer. Um, I was right, a neat strategy. Right. Yeah, it reduces that that writer's block, that you know, terrifying blank canvas. Yep. Yeah, which I think is what stops a lot of people, right? Where they sit down and realize, okay, when I hit send, this is going to everyone, like right now. And, <laughs> you know, like it has to be good. So I think a lot of people stop really, um, I don't know, really like getting like sucked into it. And then that makes you just not do it. And then the longer you don't do it for, the higher the bar needs to be. And then makes you not, and it's just this downward spiral, right? Right. I find with myself a lot of times, if I just set a time limit for myself, that usually helps to, to focus. So it's like, okay, what kind of email can I write in an hour? You know, is it that I can pull a couple of customer testimonials or a couple of customer stories or highlight a specific, you know, website using our products or something, right? Like, let me just give myself an hour 
and get to a place where it doesn't have to be a very long email. I don't have to send this huge amount of content every week, right? But like you can send like bite-sized morsels. And and so starting with that, I think helps to reduce that like um, inflation of it in your mind where like, oh my gosh, I have to send this huge, great email. Devote an hour to it and see what you can do in an hour. And what you do in an hour in the beginning is not gonna be as good as what you can do in an hour three months from now. But at least then you start to practice sending good emails. Yeah, having a dedicated amount of time first, you know, for us, right, where you're going to send at least a email, maybe it won't be good, but at least something will go out. And then having, like you said, that cadence of well, you have to, so you have to spend that hour, it's going to be every week, and it has to be done by Thursday at five, and there's just a time limit. So you know, it just can't go over that. And worst case, you're going to have to start at Thursday at four, and just start, you're going to be doing it. So and right. if you, as long as you stick to that, and just realize, like, we need we need this cadence, right? Because this isn't something also that if you're just starting, you don't have an email list with tens of thousands of subscribers. Um, you might be emailing, you know, tens of people at the beginning. And so you're not going to see these, like, there's not gonna be a lot of feedback initially, um, good or bad. There's just going to be just talking to a few people. Um, so getting that cadence kind of built up and just knowing this is going to be the long game, right? Where you're going to, this isn't going to be okay. a, you know, a four week thing. This is going to be a two year thing, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, you're, you know, it's like building a content marketing strategy, right? You don't write two blog posts and, and all of a sudden have organic search traffic. Right. And so, you know, it takes time to get good at email. And I think a lot of people uh, underestimate that because, you know, we hear that the email marketing is the you know highest ROI, you know, in terms of channels, right. It's going to beat out social, it's going to beat out organic search and it's, it's how you drive engagement. And it is, right. It is those things, but it's not instantaneously those things, right. It's, it's, it's a process just like anything else. And it's an important process to just make a little bit of progress on each week. Yeah. So you have to in get getting better at email. That's one of those skills where I think people don't really, you don't realize that copying, copywriting in an email is a slightly different skill. Mm. Right. 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 And you know, you don't, you also don't have to be great at it. Right. It's about knowing your customer. How does your customer talk? What do they care about? And, you know, kind of having uh, a particular person in mind that you write for. Right. So for, for me, if I'm writing an email for people at Jilt, like I have, you know, specific people who use the app, that I know I'm going to write to, right? And so I know, okay, I want to target someone like Zach. Let me write a note that Zach would like to read. And and that's what I send, you know? And so it kind of helps, especially when you're small, to develop that habit and that practice. And then that kind of becomes how you approach your email. Is that kind of a tip you'd recommend on just almost like assuming you're writing this email to like a one-to-one type, like take out the whole email blasting. Um, is that something you kind of do of just saying, let's just write it to this one person? It helps me. I, I don't know if there's any any uh, reality to that being helpful for most people. I do think, though, that if you don't do a ton of you know market research and, and whatnot and user research, it does help to have that sort of person in mind, right? Because that's kind of like your customer, one of your customer personas. And so for me, when I have a particular person who uses the app or you know a particular customer or whatnot, um, it helps if you talk to them, right? And so like I do a lot of customer interviews, you know, working in product. Uh, so for me, it's nice when I'm writing that I can read something that someone else has done, or, or I can read something that I've written and know sort of who it would be talking to. So I would say first, if you're early on in your business, try to talk to your customers so that you have that in mind. And then, yeah, I find it really helpful to say, I'm going to write this for this person. Cause I know that they are the kind of person who's going to be a promoter, who's going to be a fan or who's going to be loyal. And so that's who I want to talk to in my emails. And then it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of those people like your email list and stay on your email list. How, because I feel like another thing people get hung up on is segmentation. 
where it's one of those things you hear like you should be doing this and everyone kind of drills into you like this is what you should be doing you should be you know so you guys work with um you say shopify and woocommerce shopify woocommerce uh easy digital downloads which is a much smaller platform for digital sellers so everyone kind of tells you right when you email the list you shouldn't be emailing the whole list right and talk about shopify like you should be emailing just the woocommerce folks just the shop like segment everyone out but i feel like that's another thing that's first hard to do and then second people just get so because it's hard people just get hung up on it um and you know they don't want to send out just like your email platform your your uh, e-commerce platform they want to send out you know to the shopify list to the woocommerce list how do you feel about like how important is that or is it really that important uh, it depends on the goals right and so i think a lot of people it, it is important and personalization is important i do think it's one of the things though that gets um inflated in some cases in people's minds, right? So they say like, oh, I can't email my whole list or it's not gonna be good to email my whole list. And it depends, right? It can be good to email your whole list, right? So like when we have a product announcement that affects everybody, we send it to everybody, right? So it just depends on the goals of your email. And I think that what you wanna look at is, okay, is my goal engagement? Is my goal sales, right? Is there anything about my customer or their orders that would be more interesting to them or more useful to them um, if I know who I'm talking to, right? And so for us, you know, with our own customer list, we know, for example, sometimes that something is more useful to a WooCommerce user than a Shopify user or someone on our free plan, you know, won't find something useful, but someone on our paid plan would, right? Um, so when we find that usefulness of like, well, we can have better messaging here or more specific content, then you segment. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't matter, you know, if it's something that all your customers will care about or something that's going to be useful to, to most of them, send it to everybody, right? If it's not, then yeah, segmentation is amazing, right? Because you can have so much more targeted messaging and targeted, um, you know, uh, content in that email. So a good example for an apparel seller might be, you know, if you're launching a new spring line and it's going to be store wide, then send it to everybody. If you're only launching new products for women, then maybe only target people who have purchased something in your women's categories, right? Uh, I would say to be careful with segmentation, though, because people buy gifts, right? People are always buying something for themselves. Uh, I see that with jewelry sellers sometimes, right? That they assume because someone has bought women's jewelry that they are a woman. That's not always the case, right? So be aware of your segmentation, too, and, and kind of aware of your customers. But um, it depends on what the goals of your email are. And if segmenting supports those goals, do it. If segmenting doesn't really clearly support those goals, don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah. I think that's one of those things just like most, most of these just start off, just start sending some emails. And initially the ones could be start with those like evergreen broadcast emails that are just applicable to everyone and start there. Right. And then over time grow into segmenting. And initially most folks are going to have a relatively small list that it doesn't really matter if you segment anyway, because if you go too small, you're just emailing like like three know, people. Like three people anyway. So <laughs> you could just, you know, open Outlook and just blind carbon copy them at that point. So you don't even need, you know, you're, you're basically emailing almost like if you go too crazy with this, it, it goes in the wrong direction. Um, right. Right. And, you know, you need more data points. Yep. Right. So as your list is smaller, then, you know, why not email everybody? And if you get more purchases, you know, you get more customer information, then all you're doing is expanding kind of your, your map of who your customer is and you could do it better in the future. So it's, it's something that um, I think tends to be trying to, you know, over-optimized or overthought at, at certain sizes. Yeah. I feel like um, one of the things I've seen people get caught up, uh, hung up on is having like the name of the subscriber, like their actual name in the email. 
you know, because I know if West Elm is emailing me um, and they're saying, hey, Charles, I know they're not, they don't really know who I am. Like, I, I get that, but people have it in their head that you need to include, like, hey, we know it's Charles. He's in Boston. Like, in these certain, like, data points about the user that they need to, like, jam into the email. And it's right. not really... I make things up. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, when I sign up for a list, I put in like Rockstar as my first name. And then it's hilarious to get emails that are like, hey, Rockstar. And I'm like, hey, do you too? Yeah. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you know they're not, they don't really know you. Cause, right. Yeah, exactly. That's the test right there. What are some other um, things you see on new users just getting started that are kind of, you look and you say, and, uh, you know, wrong, wrong direction there? Yeah. There's, there's a lot I would say that's tempting when you get started. Um, the biggest mistake, I guess, I see with people who are just getting started with, with, you know, email marketing or maybe their store in general is this stress of, you know, you, I do this myself. I actually just did this literally yesterday where you get in this rabbit hole of, you know, oh, I want to get better at this. Let me do an hour or two of research on it. Right. And then like four hours later, you, you, you're on the other side of the looking glass and you're questioning everything. You're like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. You know, the world is fake. And you just, you get into this like mind space of, I can't be good at this. Like I can't, I just don't know enough. There's too much here. And it gets overwhelming. And I think that a lot of people who are getting started do that. You think you have to let perfect be the enemy of good, right? So I would say that when you start out, don't focus on A-B testing. Don't focus as much on, on metrics because what you're doing isn't statistically significant. You don't have enough data points yet, right? Focus on getting better at this as a craft, right? Getting better at your business as a craft and building relationships with your earliest customers. So, you know, do things that aren't scaling right now. If I have a customer list of 100 people, right? Or there's 100 people on the email list. You, a lot of people look at that and say, well, you know, it's hard to drive sales, but you're missing your opportunity here. You could email every single one of those people individually and ask them like, hey, how did you hear about us? What brought you here? Can I talk to you a little bit? Do you like the product, right? Use it as an opportunity because you're doing something that a huge company can't do, right? Talk to those customers, have those personas in mind, right? Have your people in mind that it's like, when I write an email, now I know who I'm talking to. So I think that a lot of merchants who start out think that they have to do what large brands are doing. Um, and in reality, like use that to your advantage do what a small brand can do really well which is be personable get to know customers develop these mental models of who am i talking to get better at sending emails and get better at building you know your craft so that when you are scaling up it's easier right because that, that's much harder to do when you have thousands of customers and you have other things vying for your attention at that point um so lean into lean into growing don't try to you know get yourself ahead of the ahead of where you are yeah that's great advice and i feel like at when your email list is you know a hundred email, you know, emails, folks, you can make mistakes and it probably took you, you know, a couple of weeks to get to a hundred. So even if, even if everyone unscribed, just got a hundred percent unscribed, right. It's not <laughs> even that bad. So like right. you can try a lot of different things at that scale that you can't try once you're larger. Right. Um, exactly. you know, if you spent years building this, you can't, you can't just try some like really quirky email, right. Because it could go wrong. And if it goes wrong, then you're going to erase years of work. Mm, um, so yeah. I, I the idea of like leaning to that. Boss version is real. <laughs> yeah. No, because once you've built it, then you need to protect it, right? Versus when you're small, right. you can try all these different things. And you can try some really different things. That's, that's a exactly. real benefit there. You don't need to, you know, stick, you know, stick in your lane and kind of do, okay, we need to do this, you know, same boring emails. You can just be weird, be different. It's got to be on brand or we don't send it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, because you don't have a brand yet. And so you don't even have that voice yet. So you can see what voice resonates with folks. So let's just try a few really, really different things. And just see what works at that point. And 
not really worry about the consequences because they're not that bad. Right. Yeah. That air of ex uh, experimentation is yep. extremely important. Yep. Awesome. I like that. So if folks want to kind of learn more about this, want to get in touch with you, where's a good place to do that? Yeah. So I do a lot of writing on jilt.com, J-I-L-T.com. Um, so you can find me there typically. Uh, if you're a Twitter person, uh, you can find me at B-E-K-A underscore R-I-C-E. Um, and uh, yeah, th those are the places where I hang out most online. If you chat with us via jilt.com, usually I'll, I'll pop in every once in a while. I'm uh, a little bit of a gremlin, right? You don't always see me. Sometimes I'm there though. Yep. Awesome. All right. I'll link to all that in the show notes as well. So thank you very much for coming on today. It was super, super uh, helpful chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Charles. I appreciate it.